Chapter 2 Year 851 PXF Early Spring Like any privileged adolescent, Talon had the utmost confidence in his rule of the Corvermain estates, staff, and grounds. In the two years since his fight with the Voice over the incident in the surgery, he and the Voice had come to an accord. The lower staff was off-limits. Furthermore, Talon would summarily ignore even minor suggestions by the Voice regarding them. In addition, even though his tutoring with Balanon had ended, the surgery and all things medical were forbidden discussion. In exchange, the upper staff was fair game. Talon had enforced an almost two-month silent treatment toward the voice after their fight, but temptation finally got the better of him when the opportunity arose for him to cause some mischief between the upstairs maid and the maids on the main floor of the estate. He and the voice had a routine with rules they both had to follow, and some that on occasion could be bent. If any of the upper staff caught on to his manipulations of their lives, or they squawked too loudly, they quickly found they wouldn't be in the employ of House Corps Vermaine for very long. So, Talon's perceived rule of the estate was uncontested until he was halfway through his thirteenth year, the year when Riken entered his life, the year he understood love. Riken was known of consequence. He was the second son born to a minor metalworking merchant in Arnador, who then apprenticed him to an artisan blacksmith named Mikal to better learn the properties of metalcraft. Riken accompanied Mikal that day to the Corvermain compound to help with the horses and carry the crates of goods Toman had ordered fabricated. While the Corvermain estate employed a personal blacksmith at the estate, their smith had developed a rot in his joints that had slowly eroded the quality and quantity of his work. A quick inspection of Mikal's goods and an exchange of coins was all it took for the Corvermain's old blacksmith to be sent on his way and Mikal to become the new household smith, along with Riken as his apprentice. Talon heard the news of new subjects in his kingdom that same morning, and set it upon himself to make his best impression. That, and to make sure they knew who was really in charge, when not following his father's orders, of course. Once the sun burned off the chill near mid-morning, Talon, dressed in his finest hunting wear and feeling that he cut quite an impressive figure, marched all five-foot-one-inch of his almost fourteen-year-old self to the receiving courtyard, where the estate's small smithy lay. As he turned the corner, Talon felt he had been struck in the head by a hammer and became paralyzed in his tracks. The whole world turned gray around him, with only a single figure remaining in vivid color. Standing a good head taller than himself in a sleeveless cloth jerkin and calfskin leather breeches was a boy not much older than himself. Raven-black hair dagger-cut into short, thick locks, as was the custom for smiths, shining like polished obsidian in the early morning light. Gray eyes the color of the thunderheads that brought rain and lightning on summer afternoons. Broad yet delicate features accented by long, dark eyelashes and full lips smiling even while doing the menial task at hand. Bare arms and shoulders flexed with the beginnings of the powerful corded muscle that smiths were renowned for but not yet the bulky, swollen mass they would undoubtedly become. Lean and lithe and so full of life stood Riken. There had never been another person even close to Talon's age on the estate in the entirety of his life, much less a boy. Talon had, of course, seen other children, but always from afar, and was certainly never permitted to interact with them. Now here was this boy like some character from the historical fictions his tutor made him read. He seemed much closer to being a man than Talon was, even though they were practically the same age. A self-consciousness overcame Talon. 
He had never felt more silly or more childish or more like a child in his privileged life. His clothes suddenly seemed like a jester suit, his body weak and frail, and even his wild, beautiful hair that he was so proud of just seemed like a frivolous ornament. Talon wanted to run and hide before this boy could see him, but it was too late. Riken was already looking up from his task of gathering oak splits to feed the forge. Riken spotted Talon immediately. Talon felt the boy's eyes traveling over him and feared whatever assessments he might have made of him. Well, don't just stand there. Grab as many splits as you can carry and help me get this forge lit before McCall gets here. The boy's voice carried a tone of conspiracy and intrigue like this was some forbidden favor and a secret mission he was assigning. Talon's feet moved before his mind could process that he had just been given an order from someone other than his parents. The boy had spoken to him. The boy who he now desperately wanted the approval of and to be his friend. The boy he longed to be just like even though he knew nothing about him. This breathtaking boy had said words to him and wanted him to help with this critical task. Talon ran over, grabbed two of the smaller splits of oak, one more than he probably should have carried, and trundled into the smithy behind the raven-haired boy. Just put the wood over there with the rest while I get this fire lit. Hearing no verbal response but seeing Talon following directions, Riken continued as he hunched over, looking deep into the firebox under the forge. I see you know the trick is feeding the fire with the smaller pieces first, so those you brought are perfect. Talon beamed. He couldn't remember when he felt more satisfaction from a compliment, even though he knew the boy probably recognized Talon had no idea how to light a fire in a hearth, much less a forge. Okay, I got the starter kindling going. Hand me that split you just brought in. I'm Riken, by the way. And you are? Riken grabbed the split of oak Talon was offering as he spoke. There was a long pause as Talon found himself completely lost in the moment of handing the split to Riken, caught in the instant when both their hands were holding the same object. Then, realizing the awkward silence, Talon finally found his voice. Talon. I'm Talon Corvermain, heir to Toman and Veronic Corvermain. Talon cringed inwardly at his automatic recital of name and title. Before, his title always made him feel bigger. But now, in front of Riken, in this smithy, it made him feel small. You don't say, Riken said with the most unshocked tone Talon had ever heard. That and a long-knowing glance at Talon's flamboyant hunting attire sent Talon back into the horror he had felt earlier in the courtyard. Riken's face slid from sly teasing to gentle kindness as he quipped, Hey, none of that. It's your uniform, just like this is mine. Standing and motioning to his plain clothes. And man, I would give anything to be allowed to grow my hair out and it look like yours. However, he paused for effect, that sparrow up in the corner is eyeing it as nesting material. Talon, in a panic, searched for the praying sparrow before the joke finally dawned on him. First Riken, then both boys erupted in smiles and laughter. Talon's heart nearly leaped from his chest as all at once he discovered that a person could feel like they were flying without ever casting a spell or leaving the ground. The next morning, braving the chill of early spring not entirely released from winter's clutches, Talon brought cups of Miss Haddington's dark spiced tea out to the forge for him and Riken. Steaming earthen mugs in hand with trails of the sweet cream Miss Haddington dolloped on top dripping down the sides and over his fingers, Talon paused outside the smithy to gather his courage before seeing Riken again. Talon had convinced himself that he had misread his and Riken's interaction the previous morning, as they had only spent less than half an hour together. After the shared laugh, 
Talon shadowed Riken around the smithy as he set up the work tables explaining every tool and its function along the way. Unfortunately, Mikal arrived far too soon and was quickly barking kindly orders at Riken, as the new smith of House Corvermain acclimated himself to the attributes and pitfalls of his new space. Talon quickly felt very out of place and in the way, so he left as unobtrusively as possible, once again feeling childish. He couldn't even be sure if Riken saw him go or cared that he left. The rest of the day, Talon's overactive mind blotted out everything else. Certainly, Riken was just being nice to the young lord inheritor of the estate. He couldn't possibly be Talon's friend. That night, the ever-present voice in Talon's mind took advantage of the quiet in his rooms and the slowing of his thoughts to finally make itself heard. The voice that before had always been an instigator for Talon's actions now took on a different role. The dark voice began whispering in his mind, insidiously explaining in detail Riken's self-interest in befriending him, and that there was no possible way he actually enjoyed their time together. In those dark hours of the previous night, the voice was not present as Talon's compatriot, but as his saboteur. Outside the smithy, tea in hand, Talon braced for the inevitable rejection to come. But remaining determined, he silenced the voice, took a deep breath, and stepped through the open threshold of the forge. In his eagerness and sleeplessness, Talon had not registered the earliness of the hour. Dawn was barely lightening the sky, so as he entered the smithy, Talon caught Riken just as he stepped out of the small room where he slept. The apprentice's room was located just behind the flue of the forge and captured some of its warmth as Riken emerged barefoot and shirtless, wearing only the same calfskin pants from the day before. His skin, glistening from the heat of his room, turned quickly to goose flesh with the chill Talon had let into the smithy. High stepping over to Talon, apparently trying to keep his bare feet from touching the cold cobblestones, Riken wrapped his long-fingered calloused hands around one of the mugs. As he took it from Talon, Riken proclaimed, You were sent from the gods! and gulped the steaming tea. Come! Riken overdramatically pranced back across the smithy, punctuating each step with a clipped exhale as though walking on hot coals, all but diving through the still-open door back into his room. Meanwhile, Talon's mind felt like it was riding an unbroken, stampeding stallion. From being mortified at catching Riken just awakening, to stunned at the sight of his naked torso, to melting at his fingertips engulfing his own as he claimed the mug of tea, to terror at being invited into Riken's chambers, his thoughts swirled and bucked in his head. Then, refusing to remain standing stunned in the middle of the smithy, Talon faced the moment, gulped a slug of tea from his mug, and followed Riken. Riken's room was tiny. There were larger closets in the estate. It housed only a small trunk, a narrow but sturdy bed, and a few hooks on which Riken's tunic and a light jerkin hung. The room was rectangular and not very wide, so with Riken's bed pushed against one wall, there was only a small gap between it and the opposite wall. The trunk took up the rest of the room, leaving only a tiny clearance gap for the door to swing open. Riken was sitting toward the head of the bed, back leaning against the wall under a small lone window, still shirtless with his feet drawn up onto the bed off the cold floor. He had left a space on the foot of the bed for Talon to join him, and so casual was his demeanor that Talon found himself sitting before his brain could even suggest the propriety of it. He even kicked off his soft leather boots so he could pull his stockinged feet up onto the bed in a similar position as Riken. They sipped their tea in comfortable silence for a few moments before Talon recalled the details of his well-laid plan for the morning. Oh, I just thought I would come to help light the forge fire again, 
Talon stated as nonchalantly as he could. Riken cheerfully replied in a self-satisfied manner. No need. With my room here in the smithy, I could bank the fire properly before retiring and then feed it midway through the night. So it will be ready for me call with only a few pokes and a pump or two on the bellows. Oh, uh, Talon floundered. I guess you don't need help then? Talon's plan was quickly evaporating. Um, enjoy the tea. Talon was awkwardly trying to find a place to set his mug so he could free his hands to put his boots back on. Not seeing a home for his mug and not wanting to draw attention to the sparse accommodations in Riken's room, he became increasingly flustered as he tried to escape. Oh no you don't, Riken interjected slyly, folding his crossed legs under him and sitting up straighter. I need you to tell me all about the rest of the staff and the regular visitors to this estate of yours. The tea mug seemed to settle magically and firmly back into Talon's hands. He'd all but forgotten about Riken's shirtless form being in such close proximity to him as he fell to the subject in which he was an expert. Household rumors and secrets. Well, Tuesday is the day Miss Haddington... Talon had relayed approximately half of what he knew of the staff and all the goings-on at the Corvermain estate when, tea long since finished, the boys heard Mikal approaching the smithy. As Mikal preferred to work late into the night instead of early in the morning, several hours had passed, and the sun was well over the horizon. Talon realized he needed to prepare for his morning tutor's arrival, and Riken needed to stoke the forge, so the two parted ways but promised to share morning tea again the following day. Miss Haddington, having raised five children of her own, quickly spotted the telltale signs of the budding relationship. The next morning, a small satchel of sweet buns sat next to the two mugs of steaming tea. Talon beamed, and Miss Haddington gave a knowing wink and smiled back, hands deep in a mound of dough she was kneading for pies. Talon and Riken's second morning having tea together went much as the previous, Riken sillily retrieving his tea without a shirt or shoes from the cold main room of the smithy, then the two boys retreating to Riken's small room for Talon to finish relaying all he knew about the estate. It went much the same for the next week, Miss Haddington providing some new treat along with their tea to break their evenings fast, and the boys recounting the details of each of their days after Talon had exhausted his supply of household secrets. Talon, growing more comfortable with Riken, even began wearing more casual attire to their mornings together, attire his station would never permit him to wear outside his chambers, and not even there if expecting company. Their eighth morning together found Talon, hands around a steaming mug, in a loose-fitting but tailored tunic, scandalously with neither jerkin nor doublet, black doeskin pants, and unstockinged feet pulled up onto Riken's bed. In his usual morning shirtless attire and lounging against the wall, Riken looked over to Talon with his storm-cloud eyes and asked, So, what are we doing for Hearth's Rest? Smiths and cooks across the continent and beyond had the tradition of extinguishing their work fires to take a day of rest every fortnight to honor Kasfarian, the conjoined god of nature and tempest, hearth and forge. What began at hearths and forges in the empire spread from mere laborers up to high-ranking nobles, eventually becoming observed nationally as hearth's rest. Relaxation and peace marked the day for even the lowliest servant, as people from all walks of life quickly enshrined the belief that to break hearth's rest brought ill fate upon one's house. As it seemed to be becoming more normal for him than not, Talon found his mind running at a full sprint through all possible outcomes of Riken's simple question. Firstly, Riken had said we, not what Talon would be doing, but what they would be doing. Was it his intention that they would spend the day together? 
A whole day and not just a few fleeting hours in the morning? Then came panic about whether Riken would expect Talon to plan a full day of activities for them. After all, Riken was a new resident of the local area around the estates. As hospitality would dictate, it was Talon's duty to show his friend the sights and potentially provide introductions. Did Talon even really know where they could go or what they could do together? Talon tried to hide the tightness building up in his chest and that his breath was threatening to race away from him. It was Riken's soft, resonant voice that broke his freefall into a panic. Hey, stay with me here, T. Referring to Talon by just that single letter. Riken's bare foot then found Talon's and gently alighted upon it with just enough pressure to remain unintrusive but at the same time feel like a lifeline anchored in the strongest granite. As he always seemed to do, Riken read Talon's thoughts perfectly. No need to throw a gala banquet. Let's just go and explore these vast tracts of fields and forests I hear your family owns. Riken patiently waited until Talon met and locked onto his reassuring gaze, and when satisfied Talon had indeed calmed, he proclaimed, We meet at dawn, but whispered behind his hand like it was a scandal. You are still in charge of food, though, so be sure to talk to Miss Haddington tonight or we will have nothing but crumbs. Riken flashed his perfect crooked smile, and with a slight tap of assurance with his foot on the bare skin of Talon's foot, he reclaimed his own and went back to drinking his tea as if nothing had happened. Filled with excitement, the following day at first light, with travel flasks of spiced tea and a pack filled with Miss Haddington's best sandwiches and cakes, Talon and Riken stepped out the courtyard gates of the Corvermain estate on their first adventure together. From that moment on, the two boys became nigh inseparable. Lunches together in the courtyard were added to morning tea still spent in Riken's room, at least until the turn of the season drove them outside in search of cool morning air instead of fleeing from it. Morning tea and lunch then expanded into every free moment either could find or steal to spend together. On days he was assigned to read, instead of sitting for direct instruction from his tutors, Talon would relocate to the smithy. Not only did that allow him to be close to Riken, even though Mikal still demanded all of his apprentices' attention, but Talon also found the noise of the blacksmith's hammer and the two smiths' constant banter helped him to concentrate. The voice that had been so prevalent in his life practically disappeared when he was around the forge. Talon found it sublimely comforting to be with or even near Riken, and Riken, inexplicably to Talon's mind, seemed to find delight in his company as well. The seasons and joys of youth quickly slid by the two boys. Hearth's rests found them out in the countryside, days that Talon was able found them in the smithy or running errands together into Arnador for Mikal, and regardless of weather or obligation, every morning without fail they met over spiced tea. During their time spent together through the seasons, in their growing mutual comfort with each other, their feet would often find each other's while sitting on Riken's bed, or their hands would find themselves grasped together in an expression of their friendship or solidarity or because it was just lovely to be with each other. Talon loved the feel of Riken's heavy arm draped over his shoulders and his strong hands and forearms next to his own. Similarly, Riken always seemed to find an excuse to let his fingers tarry in his mane of wild hair, or wipe Talon's upper lip with his thumb when Miss Haddington's sweet foam from their tea gathered there. It never seemed to occur to either of them to push their intimacy any further than the simple joy and contentment they had already found with each other. <laughs>